Hey guys, my name is Scott Niemeyer and I'm the lead pastor of High Point Church in Friendswood, Texas. I'd like to welcome you to our podcast. We believe that church is not just an event you attend, it is a family that you belong to. We also believe that it's God's plan for every person on their spiritual journey to know God, to find some freedom from your past so that you can discover your purpose and ultimately you can make a difference. And we exist as a church to help you on that journey. We hope you are inspired and encouraged by today's message. Let's jump in and let's get started. Good morning, High Point Church. How are we feeling today? Come on, how are we feeling today? There we go. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. So good to have you with us today. Uh, for those that don't know, my name is Justin Kellum. I have the honor and privilege of being one of the pastors on staff here. And want to let you know our pastors send their love to you today, but they are currently celebrating 30 years of marriage. Come on, somebody. <laughs> celebrating 30 years of marriage today, but they do send their love. Uh, but uh, you got me today, and I'm excited to, oh, stop, 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 please, please. Uh, I'm excited to be with you today. Um, always an honor to be with you. I want to reiterate a couple things that you heard in the news there. Number one, next Sunday is Christmas at High Point. Can you believe it? Come on. We're going to do our normal uh, service times, 9, 15, and 11 a.m. next Sunday. Uh, and if you want to, you can scan the QR code there to reserve seats for you and your family. Registration, like they said in the news, it's not required, but it is going to help us serve you better on Christmas Eve next week. So we look forward to seeing you there. Uh, you can also uh, register QR code, but also on our website, on the homepage of our website, and on the homepage of our app as well. So you can do those. And then again, uh, two weeks from today, on December 31st, we will not be having Sunday service. We're going to take that Sunday off. It's called Sabbath Sunday. So you guys stay home, enjoy uh, celebrating the new year with your family. Sound good? Does it sound good? Come on. Sounds good to me. All right. Well, let's pray. And uh, we're going to dive into week two of Christmas presents. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Jesus, we love you. You're the reason that we've gathered today. And we know that when you are near, it's for our good. So we ask you to come in closer Make us more aware of the fact that you are present in every situation, in every circumstance, every second of every day. You are near and you are available. We just want to be aware of how you're moving, what you're saying to us. And so right now, we just open our hearts to receive all that you have in store for us today. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen, amen. Well, again, week two of Christmas presents. Excited to bring the word to you guys today. You know, again, I cannot believe that we're already here at the end of the year. It's Christmas time. Where did 2023 go? Not quite sure. 2024 is upon us. Um, but when I think of this time of the year, Christmas time, there's a few things that come to mind. I obviously think of uh, some of the, my favorite gifts that I've ever been given as a kid. My, one of my all-time favorites when I was in junior high, my parents bought me an electronic drum set. Come on, somebody. That was my first love uh, as far as music is, is concerned. Drums was the first instrument I fell in love with. So they got me an electronic one so I could just throw the headphones on and they could continue sleeping. I could just rock out all night long on the drums, which was fun. So that's one of the things that I think of. Um, I also think uh, back to like Christmas growing up with my family. I think of these stockings that me and my sister, my parents used for us every year. They were uh, Looney Tunes themed. 
Yeah, come on. Looney Tunes themed. So that was, that's always like a visual burned in my brain. And then the other thing is like, as we grew older and like moved out and my sister and I kind of started building our own lives, we would go back to the house for Christmas and our stockings just became the dog's stockings. So my parents put dog toys in our stockings now, um, working through that. So just bear with me, going to have to set, get set free some, from some of those things. One year they actually put the stockings up for the dogs and didn't put up for any up for us at all. I'm like, wow, wow. So now every, every year I walk and I go, hoo, 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 see if I can actually get some, <laughs> get some presents. Uh, anyways, uh, so that's one of the things that I think of. I also think of as little as it has ever happened here, I think of snow. The, the couple of times that it snowed here, it's just like dust on the ground. But, you know, we Texans, we freak out. We're excited. I'm excited about it at least. But there was one year in particular uh, back in the day when Pastor Scott and Pastor Kelly were my youth pastors. This year marks 20 years since I met Pastor Scott and Pastor Kelly, which is crazy. Uh, and a lot of other amazing people, the Nifongs and the, the Cardwells, known each other for 20 years. And there was one instance in particular, we were in a youth service on a Wednesday night. And like actual snow came down. Like you actually couldn't see the dirt underneath it. There was actually like significant amount of snow. And we were so pumped. Pastor Kelly preached that night. She closed the service. She's like, all right, let's get out into the parking lot. Let's get out into the field behind the church and let's go play in the snow. So we all were out there. We're playing, having a good time. Uh, and I, this conversation, I want to take you back to a couple years before that moment. I was in a band and we were getting fitted for some clothes for a, a photo shoot that we were doing. And we, I was trying these pants on and my manager was like, yeah, we need to like, we'll have to hem those up because you're, you have abnormally short legs. And I was like, shots fired. Okay, I've never heard that before. And I was like, I was like, whatever, I've never heard that, you know, whatever. So fast forward two years later, here I am, it's snowing on a Wednesday night. And uh, I am like, this is my shot to, to live my Christmas movie dreams and do a snow angel because there's actually enough snow on the ground. So I laid it on the ground and I'm just living my dream. I'm like, yes, doing the snow angel. I get up and I am mortified with how short this angel's legs are. I was like, oh no, it's true. I do have abnormally short legs. So I think of that. The last time it snowed here, I, I've been praying all year. God, please let it snow. I just want snow this Christmas. Please let it snow. And guess what? It did. But I was in Oklahoma visiting family. So some more things. This is just a therapy session. I'm going to get some of this stuff out and we're going to work through this together. So anyways, those are a few of the things that I think of uh, when it comes to Christmas. I also think of our annual civil war known as Black Friday. Come on, somebody. You want to live life on the edge. Used to have to go out. Now it's just the internet. We can buy everything on the internet, right? But man, the mobs that would line up at midnight ready to just elbow an elderly lady for a Cabbage Patch doll, whatever it takes, you know? So these are some of the things that I think about. But what's interesting to me about Black Friday in particular and what kind of that used to represent at least is how eager we are to do whatever it takes and pay any price we have to pay to get a hold of the things that we want. But so often we put that energy towards things that are not going to last. And I think that's such an interesting representation of what it looks like in culture just in general. So pursuing so hard and so desperately after things that actually are so temporary and don't last. And can, can, can we be vulnerable today? Can, I, can we just share a little bit today? Yes, okay, there we go, there we go. Because uh, really today, I want sincerity to be the thing that really comes across today. And I just wanna kind of walk through the journey that I've been through the last six months. Back in, uh, back in July, 
I hurt my, my back really bad, uh, so much so I, I couldn't really walk for a couple of weeks without like some actual assistance. In fact, one Sunday, I stood behind this piano not playing it. I was just holding myself up because I couldn't walk. So I was holding myself up, crying out to the Lord, help me with this back pain. And everybody's like, well, what'd you do to hurt your back? I'm like, I turned 36. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. There, I didn't do anything specific, just got a little older. Um, but I had really hurt my back and I couldn't walk for a couple of, couple of weeks, two and a half weeks. And one of the first days that I could lay in my bed without pain, I just remember the Lord saying to me, hey, you've been running really, really hard for a really long time. And you've gotten yourself to a point where I'm not the priority in the way that I should be. So I want you to step into a season and into a moment in your life where you reprioritize and really make sure that I'm at the center of your universe. What a challenge, right? And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm ready for this journey, Lord. Like help, help me sort through this. And how many of you know that like, it's so interesting because we think that just because we're not doing something bad that God is the priority, but it's really the trick of the enemy, not even necessarily to make us fall into sin, but to just distract us and get our eyes focused on anything that's not blatantly God. And we live in a time where it is so easy to be distracted. There are so many voices speaking to us through our phone screens, through the television screen, through the relationships that we build. And I had found myself in this place that even though I was doing good things, I was building good relationship for the most part, doing good things. I was prioritizing the voices of some of my closest relationships over, over the Lord. I was prioritizing work over prioritizing the Lord. Some areas where I was prioritizing my fear of something over the Lord. That was what I gave my focus and my attention to. And I began this process of, okay, I've got to reprioritize here and make sure first things are first. And it's, it's helped me position myself to say, okay, over the last six months, I want to more intentionally than I have before, I really want to make my life about one thing. Everybody say one thing. And that is making sure that God is at the center of my life by prioritizing his active presence in my life, making sure that he really is the priority. And so I've spent the last six months doing that. And one of the verses that has really become a life verse of mine is Psalms 27, verse four. And it says this, one thing, everybody say one thing. One thing I have desired of the Lord and that one thing will I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And through this verse, it's really challenged me. Like what is the one thing that my life is about? And it's allowed me again to reprioritize and say, okay, you know what? I am going to make my life about pursuing the presence of God, his active presence in my life. And in that, again, it's, it's so easy to put other things in the place of him, but it's like, let me figure out what it is that I need to trim off and what I need to cut out of my life, where I need to uh, distance myself from, uh, what I need to let go and surrender to the Lord. That's a challenging thing, but it's such a freeing thing. Somebody asked me, I was at a worship event last week uh, in Houston and they were like, man, how are you? Are you busy? Like the Christmas season, there's a lot going on. I said, well, I'm trying to shift from like busy to productive. How many of you know, we, we have busy lives, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're productive lives. 
That doesn't actually mean spiritual eternal fruit is growing in my life if I'm just busy. There's a difference between busy and productive. And so pulling back and, and re- recognizing what's what, what is, what is just busy work and where, what's actually bringing fruit in my life? And there's a couple of things that I've made the choice to do. And we actually see Jesus doing this in the word of God. And the first thing that you have to do when you're in this season of reprioritizing, making sure Jesus is at the center, that he's the priority is number one, you have to pull back. In this season of pulling back for me, I have um, relationships that have had too much of a voice in my life, I've pulled back from. I don't forsake them, but I, I pull back. I, I, I reprioritize where that is in, in my list of priorities when it comes to listening to the voice of the Lord. I've, um, uh, for those that don't know, for a couple of years on top of uh, working here full time, I had another job working as a live musician, gigging around uh, at different steakhouses and restaurants in Houston. Uh, and the Lord told me to step away from that this summer. So I walked away from money. I walked away from opportunity. I walked away from something that I love. I pulled back from those things. I decluttered my life and, and positioned myself uh, to reprioritize. And this is something that we see Jesus doing a lot. Just reading really quickly through a few of these references. Mark uh, chapter one, verse 35, it says, now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out, he being Jesus and departed to a what? A solitary place. He pulled back. Luke 5, verse 16, it says, so he himself being Jesus often withdrew into the wilderness. He pulled back. Matthew 14, 23, it says that after feeding the 5,000, he had sent the multitudes away and Jesus went up on a mountain by himself. We have convinced ourselves, oh, well, I can't because I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to get this done. I have to check this off my list. I have to do this, 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 and this. And listen, there are absolutely things that we have to take care of, right? We gotta take care of our families. We gotta put food on the table. There are responsibilities that have, have to be taken care of. But I also believe that there is this entire portion of all of our lives that we have just convinced ourselves that we have to do it. And so I've challenged myself in that season, like what are the things that I've convinced myself that I have to be doing when I could take this as a moment or time in my day and schedule to really prioritize the presence of God and pull back. In fact, Charles Spurgeon says this about Psalms 27.4, the one thing that I ask, one thing that I seek. He says this, Divided aims or goals tend to lend themselves to distractions, to weakness, to disappointment. The man of one pursuit, everybody say one pursuit, is successful. So let all of our affection be bound up in one affection and that affection is set up on heavenly things. Matthew 6.33 says that we are to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all of these other things that I'm putting at the center that I'm prioritizing, if I actually seek first the kingdom of God, all these other things will be added to me. So the things that we waste so much time and energy on trying to get done, if we prioritize Jesus, if we make him the one thing in our life, all those other things become secondary. And it doesn't mean that they don't happen. It just means that they're second. And when we live our life from that place of pulling back, God takes care of us better than we ever could. I've, I've come to realize the things that I so desperately have all my hands in and I'm holding on to that I won't surrender or let go, they ultimately become cheap knockoffs of what they could be if I just let the Lord have it. And if I just 
pulled back and reprioritized and made him the center. But here's the great thing about Jesus. When Jesus pulled back, when he went to a solitary place, when he withdrew into the wilderness, when he went up to the mountain by himself, all these different instances, he was not escaping. We have convinced ourselves that escaping something is getting rest from something. We live in this escapism. We want to get away. We want to isolate. We want to binge a Netflix show. We want to do all these things, which, come on, somebody, a little binge action, not mad at it. But when that is the priority, eternal life doesn't come from that decision. So what does it look like? What did Jesus do when he pulled back? Well, he pulled back so that he could, number two, press in. And we see that in those three scriptures that I just referenced. Mark 1.35, in the morning, having risen long, long, uh, a long while before the daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place. And there he, there he prayed. Luke 5.16 again. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and, and he prayed. Matthew 14. 22 and 23 after he fed the 5,000. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into a boat and go before him to the other side while he sent away the multitudes. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, now when evening came, he was alone there. Charles Spurgeon's commentary on Psalms 27 continues by saying this when it refers to the seeking part, the pressing in part of this rhythm. He says, desires are seeds which, seeds which must be sown in the good soil of activity. Otherwise, they will yield no harvest. We shall find our desires to be like clouds without rain unless it's followed up by practical endeavors. So this isn't about pulling back to just escape and rest. What does it look like to rest? It looks like pursuing the presence of God in our life. And that is not as complicated as it sounds. I, I realized a lot younger that... Time pursuing the presence of God and time in prayer is not as complicated as we've made it out to be. I used to think it was this super religious uh, formulaic thing. And then I realized all God wants is a conversation with me. All he wants is to talk to me. And so I've even tried to simplify that even more this year. When I'm, I'm not trying to come with this eloquent, elegant speech before the Lord, I'm just like, hey, God, I'm dealing with this. And I, I, want, I want your voice to be heard in it. Hey, God, I'm, I'm struggling with this. Or you know what? Even just starting my day saying, you know what, God? Like, I just want to make this really simple. I want you to know that while, God, I know that you're present, I also know that there's power in an invitation. So I want you to know, God, like today, I invite you into my life. I invite you today and every day into my thought life. God, I invite you in to my emotions. I invite you into the conversations that I'm gonna to have today. I want you to know that you have room and space in the relationships that I'm building today. Hey God, these areas where I'm dealing with fear or uncertainty or anxiety, I want you to know you have space there and I wanna want invite you in to come and deal with the areas of my unbelief. It's really as simple as those statements. And if we can get back to the simplicity and the basics of just having a conversation with Jesus, I believe it would radically alter our lives. Now, kind of the results of pulling back and pressing in, one of the things that happens when we catch that rhythm of pulling back, pressing in, is we find that we can silence the voices in my life that are louder than the voice of God. Again, how many know we live in a loud world? Noise is not a problem. It's easy to find noise anywhere that we go. There's no shortage of opinions or people and platforms telling us 
what, what they think the right thing is, but often they point us away from the truth of God's word, the truth of who he is and how his kingdom offer, operates. So in that place of pulling back and pressing in, I silence those voices in my life that are louder than God's voice. I also, in that space, I learn what his voice sounds like in the stillness, in the pulling back and pressing, and I learn what his voice sounds like so that I can grow in that area. And then when I'm on the move in my life, I can recognize his voice even in the midst of the noise. When I pull back and press in, I get to position myself to learn who he really is and I can be transformed into his image. One of my favorite passages, 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18, it says, when, no one, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord are being what? Transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. So when I pull back and press in, I get to almost behold him as in a mirror and I get to transform more and more into his likeness and be the person that he's created me to be. I also, in that, that rhythm of pulling back and pressing in, reprioritizing and really pursuing the presence of God in my life, I begin to experience the fruit of an empowered partnership with the Holy Spirit. Aren't you grateful we don't have to live this life alone? We get to partner with the Holy Spirit. And the result of that we can find in John 14, verse 12. This is what Jesus says to us. He says, I'll tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater. Can we think through some of the things that Jesus did? Impossible things. Things that with man, not possible alone. But he says we could do those things and even greater because he's gonna be with the father. Verse 13, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the son can bring glory to the father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Think of what could happen if we lived a life pulling back, pressing in and learning what it looks like to really partner with the Holy Spirit. What could be possible in our lives? Jesus says things that, that were greater than what he did. Jesus also sets a precedent for what it looks like uh, and how often we should pull back and press in and live in this rhythm. First of all, we see that we should do it daily. In Matthew 6, 11, when Jesus is reciting the Lord's prayer, teaching us what it looks like to pray, one of the lines in there in verse 11 says, give us this day our daily bread. Meaning God, give me what I need today to, do, to be the person and accomplish the things that you've called me to be. It's daily Luke 5, 16 says that when he withdrew to the wilderness, he did this often. It was a regular part of his life, pulling back and pressing in. We also see that in some instances, he did it very early in the morning. Where am I, where am I morning people at? I'm putting my hand down on that one. I'm a, I'm a night owl. I'm a night owl. The morning rhythm is a little bit different and challenging for me. But we see that Jesus did this often in the mornings. Mark 135, again, it says, now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place in there. He prayed. So this is something that he did daily in the morning. He also did it at night. We see him that after he fed the 5,000 plus people in Matthew 14, after he went away in verse 23, 
It says, he, uh, and when he had went, uh, sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. So even in the evening, in the nighttime, he was there. And if you actually continue to read on in that passage, it says that he prayed there until the middle of the night before going back out to meet up with the disciples. So this was a regular rhythm of Jesus's daily life, what it looked like to pull back and press in to his presence. We also pull back and press in in really intentional, more intentional ways during important seasons and before big decisions that are made. Luke 6, 12 says that one day soon after Jesus went up to be on the mountain to pray and he prayed to God all night at daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and he chose 12 of them to be his apostles. So we see that Jesus pulled back and pressed in before making this decision on who was gonna be his 12 disciples. We also have the opportunity to pull back and press in together. Look around, look in this room. We've all made the decision today to pull back from our daily rhythms, from the decisions that we have to make, the the jobs that have to be done, the things that need to be marked off of our checklist. And we've decided collectively to pull back from all of those things and press in together. We got to come together and we got to sing truths about who God is. And we're now pressing together, diving into his word, learning more about who he is and who we are. This is something that we get to do together. Acts 2, 42 through 47, this is actually titled the fellowship of the, the early fellowship of the believers. And it says this, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship, pulling back from all the other things in life and pressing in together and to sharing meals. Come on, somebody, sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper. And they devoted themselves to prayer. Verse 43, a deep sense of awe came over them all and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place. We did it. We did it. They met together in one place and they shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Verse 46, they worshiped together at the temple each day and met in homes, come on, small groups. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So we get to pull back from the world in settings like this and we get to press in together. It's one of the things, many things that I love about our church. We provide opportunities and frameworks and systems for you to pull back and press in and learn to do that on your own, but also together. Again, we're doing that today. We meet every single Sunday, except December 31st, on, at 9, 15, and 11 a.m. to pull back and press in together. So know that you have a place here. We say it because we mean it. Church is not an event that you attend. It's not something you check off your to-do list. It's a family you belong to. We want this to be a place where you can come together, pull back, press in together and grow in your relationship with the Lord. This is why we meet in small groups. In the next five or six weeks, we're gonna be launching a new semester of small groups. So that's something you have to look forward to. Connect with people, your age, your demographic, your passions and grow in relationship with God together. Pull back and press in. 
And in January, on January 7th, we are launching, uh, we do this every year. We start our year off right with 21 days of prayer and fasting. It's a time that we set aside for the Lord to just start the year off right and say, God, we're making you the priority. We're taking all the other things that have become the center of my universe and we're putting you first. We're committing to, to pray daily and also do a fast of some kind. And we just encourage you, no matter where you might be on that ladder, just give something up. See, pray, ask the Lord, what can I give up for you uh, this, this new year or in this 21 day window? And it's a, it's a moment of sacrifice and pursuit for the Lord. A part of what we're doing with 20, 21 days of prayer is those three Saturdays that exist between uh, the 7th and the 27th, the 13th, 20th, and the 27th, we meet at 9 a.m. at High Point Insurance for a time of prayer. And it's very, we're very um, structured with that, so we're done by 10 o'clock, but it's a powerful time of coming together, pulling back, pressing in, and praying for God to move in your life, in the life of our church, and in, the, in our city, and in the world. And one thing we're really excited about is we're going to break the fast. We're going to end the 21 days together on Saturday, January 27th for what we're calling Miracle Night. And this is going to be a night of worship and baptism. Come on. Uh, so we're just going to take that time. It's going to be very worship driven. Um, and we're just going to uh, create a space for God to come and do things that we can't and to also celebrate life change with the time of baptism. So these are all ways that we are providing for all of us to pull back and press in together. And what I found is when I do that with people that I love and people that I do life with, it motivates me and gives me a picture of what it looks like to pull back and press in in my own personal life. So I want to challenge you and encourage you, be a part of those things. We're not making these things and these, these services available to you for a pat on the back. We know that things like that have changed our life, and we know it can change yours if, if you just give God a chance and prioritize him in that rhythm. Now, what's great about, about this is some of the scriptures we've referenced today is we actually get to see the fruit and the results of, of pulling back and pressing in when Jesus did it. When Jesus pulled back and pressed in, in Mark one thirty five, following that, he went and preached the gospel, he casted demons out, and he healed a leper. In Luke 5, 16, after he pulled back and pressed in, he forgave someone's sins and he healed a paralyzed man. And in Matthew 14, he fed the 5,000, he pulled back, he pressed in, and he walked on water. But it didn't stop there. Peter also walked on water. What would happen to those that are in relationship with you if you decided to be someone who lived in the rhythm of pulling back and pressing in? It could pull other people into these, these incredible encounters and moments with the Lord. Now, here's what's amazing about Jesus. He was so committed to the rhythms of pulling back and pressing in that he, he left heaven, came to earth, lived a life, showing us what a life partner with the Holy Spirit could look, partner with the Father could look like. He died on a cross. He was buried in a tomb. He rose from the dead three days later. And then he spent one more season after he was resurrected, spending time with the disciples. And he is so committed to this pulling back and pressing in rhythm that at the end of that season with the disciples after his resurrection, the Bible says that he ascended, he pulled back, went to heaven. And Romans 8.34 says that the moment he pulled back and he ascended to heaven, this is what he has spent his time doing in heaven. Romans 8.34, it was Christ Jesus who died. He was raised from the dead and he is on the right side of God, praying to him for us. Jesus literally pulled back and ascended back to heaven and he is choosing to indefinitely spend his time standing next to the throne of God, praying for you. 
because he's so committed to that rhythm of pulling back and pressing in. It's a good example for us to follow, right? Now, what does this have to do with Christmas? The whole idea that Jesus existed before time began, right? In John, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. The word was God. And even in Genesis, it says that before time began, the the world was empty, voidless. Jesus was there. He made the choice to leave heaven, be born into human flesh, and walk this earth, choosing to live as a human. The Bible says that he, on the cross, he could have called angels to come save him. He could have, he could have acted as God, but he acted as a man so that we would have the example to see this is what a human life can look like when partnered with God, when we live it through relationship with the Lord. He did all of that. He came here on Christmas morning for one thing, and that's you. Hebrews 12, two says this about Jesus's journey to the cross. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame and has sat down at the right hand of God on the throne. You were the joy set before God. You, the thought of you and being able to be in relationship with you was the thing that made him uh, position him to endure the cross. You are the reason he left heaven to come and live on earth as a man to show us what life could look like. You are his one thing. And accepting the reality of that motivates me to say, God, I was your one thing. So I'm gonna do what I can to make you the one thing in my life. I wanna challenge you with this. We're in a moment in time where the Lord is making it very easy to be found. It seems like everyone I'm talking to, less is going a lot further. Not that we do less, but like, man, even just one tiny step can accomplish a lot more with the Lord. And I wanna read this quote to you from a podcast that, that, uh, that I have been listening to, talking about inviting the Lord in. It says, we have reached for everything else. We've pushed for better methods and it's insufficient for the moment that we're in. We know what man can do or accomplish, but we've forgotten what God can do. While the human capacity is pretty amazing, it's still so insufficient for the hour that we are in. And we have yet to see the very best version of what God can do when he's invited into a situation. And I think of that story that I've referenced a couple times of uh, uh, feeding the 5,000. They were there with this, this multitudes of people, the disciples and Jesus. And the disciples walked up to Jesus and they say, hey, it's, it's getting late in the evening. We should probably send this, this massive crowd home so that they can go eat, go eat dinner. And, and Jesus said, well, you feed them. What do you have? And the disciples said, well, we have five loaves of, bre- uh, of, of, of bread and two fish. And how many of you know that on their own, And on our own, five plus two is, five plus two is seven alone. But when Jesus was invited into this situation, five plus two became 5,000. My question to us today is why would we ever settle for seven when we could have 5,000 by inviting Jesus into a situation? Again, 
Holy Spirit, we invite you into our emotions, our thought life, our relationships, the, the issues that we're dealing with with our family, the business deal that I have to make, the business that I'm starting, the relationships that I'm building. Invite him into everything. And all of a sudden, seven can really quickly become 5,000. Here's what I wanna do today. We're gonna end a little differently. I do wanna pray for you. And then we're actually gonna sing a song together that uh, means a lot to me and has really um, just kind of stirred up this hunger for more of the Lord in my life. But I wanna pray for you first. Uh, And then after all that, we're gonna have some baptism. Come on, somebody, excited about that. One of my favorite things. Uh, But if you would, uh, I want every head bowed and eyes to be closed today as we pray. You know, maybe you're in in the room today and you say, you know, Justin, I've never actually given uh, Jesus the chance to be the Lord of my life. I've never asked him to to really come into my heart, be a part of my life. uh, And you wanna do that today. Uh, If if that's you and you wanna just receive the Lord as as your savior for the first time, if you would just raise your hand, nobody's looking around. I just wanna see who we're praying for today. We wanna equip you with some resources as well today too. And then if you're in here today and you say, you know what, I, I have prayed that prayer before, but I wanna rededicate my life. I want a fresh start with the Lord. If that's you and you wanna rededicate your life today, if you would just lift your hand. And then if you're in here today uh, and you say, you know what, this, this, this idea of, of finding the rhythm of, in my life of pulling back and pressing in, it's either confirmed something that I've been feeling in my heart or it's really challenged me to wanna make that change and start asking myself some of these more challenging questions to make sure God is at the center and that I'm pursuing him. If that's you and that resonated with you on some level today, if you would just raise your hand as well. I wanna, I wanna pray with all of us today. So here's one of the things I love about High Point is we never do anything alone here. We're family. So um, all of us that didn't raise our hand for the, for the salvation prayer, I want us all to pray it anyways and pray with those that are rededicating their life, giving their life to the Lord. So if everybody would, please repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I come before you today admitting that I need you. I want you to know that you are welcome here in my life. I welcome you into my past, my present, and my future. And I start a journey today that will make you the priority and the Lord of my life. Father, I just thank you for everyone that's here today, those that are in person, those that are watching online, listening online. Uh, We want you to know you're welcome in every area. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Teach us what it looks like to silence the noise and listen to your voice. Teach us what it looks like to turn a blind eye to the things that would distract us and to set our eyes and our hearts and our affections on you. Teach us what it looks like to live from a posture of having an open heart to receive all of the things that you've prepared for us. Teach us the rhythms of pulling back and pressing in. We want you to know again, you are welcome. You're welcome in our finances. You're welcome in our relationships. You're welcome in the bad doctor's reports. You're welcomed in our physical bodies. You're welcome in our families. You're welcome in every area. We know that with you, all things are possible. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how, how deep and dark a situation may feel. The light that you bring, the darkness can never overcome it. So we want you to know that you are welcome and you are loved. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Come on, can we give the Lord a shout of praise today? Now.
for me in this rhythm uh, of finding that rhythm of more intentionally pulling back and pressing. And one of the things that I've done is I've, I've started going back and just in my private time with the Lord at home, I've started to sing songs that meant a lot to me when I first fell in love with the Lord, when I really first started my journey with him. And is it okay if we just take some time to worship and respond to the Lord and sing one of those songs today? Is that okay? All right. If you would stand to your feet and uh, I just want to sing this song with you guys today. And I, I love this song because it really, it really does speak to the nature of what we've talked about this morning and really making God the priority above all else. So let's, uh, let's sing this together today. Let this be our time that we can really respond to, to what the Lord's saying and doing in this room today. When the music fades and all is stripped away and I simply come Longing just to bring something that's worth that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within Through the way things appear You're looking into my heart again, but I want us to take this time to intentionally pull back. We're in a room full of people, but as far as you're concerned, it's you and the Lord right now. So let's all pull back. Let's sing that together and let's press in. Coming back to the heart of worship, where it's all about you, yeah. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made Cause it's all about you, yeah It's all about you, Jesus Sing King of Endless Worth King of Endless Worth No one could express How much you deserve Though I'm weak and poor, all I have is yours. Every single breath, sing, I'll bring you more than a song. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself 
is not what you have required You search much deeper within Through the way things appear You're looking into my heart I'm coming back, yeah I'm coming back to the heart of worship Where it's all about you It's all about you, it's all about you, sing it again, yeah, I'm coming back to the heart of worship, where it's all about you, yeah, it's all about you, Jesus, I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it, cause it's all about it's all about you, yeah, it's all about you, it's all about you, yeah, it's all about you, yeah, it's all about you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, you're welcome. Teach us what it looks like to make you first. It's not about the bells and whistles, it's about your presence. At the end of the day, if we don't have you, we don't have anything at all. If we don't have you, we're wasting our time. So know that you are welcome and you are invited in every space. You're at the center, you're our priority. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, come on, everybody said, come on, give us some praise today. Thank you for joining us. If you've been encouraged by our ministry, we would love for you to like, subscribe, and share this video. If you'd like to help us to continue spreading the message of Jesus all around the world through giving, or you'd like more information on our Sunday services, you can visit us online at myhighpointchurch.com, or you can follow us on social media at myhighpointchurch.